Good morning, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of a Totally Arsenal podcast. I'm your host, Mornay, and my co-host, as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Unfortunate result against Man City, but I just to mention, that's probably one of the few games this season where we dropped points in which we were actually outplayed. Yeah, I mean, for me, within... <laughs> you know, I didn't message you at the time, but I mean, within 60 seconds, the game plan already goes totally out of the window. When Iwobi tries, I mean, never knows what that was. Because, I mean, he tried to, I don't know, I think you should have just, you know, belted the ball. Because I think the the from the get-go, you could see City's game was pressed. And, I mean, the minute they started pressing us high, we tried to, like, dribble ourselves out of that predicament. And then instead of just booting it forward, you know, getting them on the back foot again, he tries to, I think, dribble between two people. And I think one <laughs> of them just dispossess him and then... I believe it was Laporte. <coughs> yeah. Who plays the ball and Mustafi, the oh. defender of the year so far for us. Um <laughs> Love plays, everybody, <laughs> plays everybody onside and I mean it allows uh, Aguero to just step in. Simple chance, one all up under a minute. Easiest goal probably you'll ever score or easier goal you'll ever score this season. But I mean to throw away you know, a game that you could have made compact and tight so early on yeah. with an individual area, which kind of sums up the story of the season. You know, I, I mean, sorry I'm to interrupt you, but I just want to tell you, look, I was kind of upbeat for the game because, you know, you want to see them, you know, take on, you know, one of the top four yeah. teams. And I mean, it's like within that <laughs> like 160 seconds, um, the wind was like knocked out of my sails because then I was like, I had no... You know, you're not saying, okay, we can come back from this, we can do this, whatever, but I don't know, I just took that, took that morale and that, 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 that you know, that amped up feeling that I was feeling, that took it all away. Yeah, it was within 60 seconds, I mean, that, that Arsenal conceded. I mean, it's the story of our season, like I mentioned, it's like Emre sets out the game plan, and sometimes I feel sorry for him, because I know a lot of fans, and know sometimes I even, like, you know, been on his case, but he sets up for a set plan, yeah. but he can't plan for he will be trying to dribble out yeah. so close to his own box, getting dispossessed across. And then everything goes out the window, like you mentioned. And after that goal, for like the first probably 10 minutes, City were like coming at us all the time. Every yeah. time we looked, they were at our goal, peppering Leno or close to another tap in. And then we were also so, like, not to consider penalty when Mustafi. Oh, yes. Yes. I, I was shocked at that. I was shocked. I'm like, why would you do that? I mean, He's give, he gives away so many penalties and unnecessary times and also away from home as well. You don't need to give the home team an even better advantage. Mm. And I mean, like, in the 11th minute, we managed to, you know, finally get some sort of attack together. Uh, Torreira whips in a decent uh, corner. The ball is flicked on by Montreal and nodded in by Kossiel. You know, it threw a person back somewhat to the you know, the old Arsenal days with Bolden Adams. You know, the flick on at the near post and then yes. banged in with the header with Adams. But, you know, that was also the enjoyment. This was also, you know, short-lived because soon after that, we were again, you know, all over. The city were all over us again. And it's, it's like we could not hold the ball up up front. Uh, someone like Lacazette and, and, and um, Aubameyang were... Totally, you know, almost like blocked out of the game, kind of. Just, and I mean, look, like as it did somehow try to drop in midfield, but I mean, for me, it was, 
Aubameyang had almost like a, also a very lazy performance, just hung out, out on the wings and, you know, didn't really bother to get involved. Because, look, people like Torreira, people like um, Guendouzi, they were almost like overrunning at midfield. And it's like nobody could really get the foot on the ball because, you know, it was just like one-way traffic and, and uh, like, at the back, it's not going to really help us out. And in front, we're also not, you know, doing there, but to, you know, somehow curb the, almost like, to put it in like a bit graphic, to curb the bleeding, because it was just, everything was just all open with us. Because, I mean, they were, like, the more in my mind, I was thinking, you know, just somehow try to hold out, you know, to go to halftime at 1-1. Because, look, for me, I think mentally and also game plan-wise, it could also have swung, you know, you know almost like given us more of a, a morale boost the second half. But, I mean, it, it was like just one-way traffic. And then, I mean, we were... Uh, Eat over and over with these uh, waves of, of Man City attacks. And I mean, it's in a matter of time till we consider that we did in like on 44 minutes. When, Always uh, before half time. Yeah. And I mean, the window, Gundogan uh, picks out Ryan Sterling. And I mean, catches Lichtsteiner totally, just ball watching. Because I mean, you can actually see with that one replay, he's just watching the ball float over his head. Huh. And Sterling, you know, stabs the ball across goal. Monreal and, and Kolasinac. Also, you know, um, at fault because, you know, unaware of what's happening around them because the two of them are just watching the ball coming across the, 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 the six-yard box. And, I mean, Aguero just darts in ahead of both of them to tap in yeah. for a second. And I'm thinking to myself, why are we always doing this? Because it's almost like besides the lack of discipline, and we said already a week before in the podcast, discipline and that is going to be needed. Like, besides the first yes. part, but discipline is going to be needed. But I mean, we had lack of discipline. And then, of course, serious lack of awareness because it's like nobody knows what is ever happening. Like, I, I remember <laughs> also there was a moment in that game where Guendouzi got caught on the ball and nobody's giving him a shout or anything. I mean, of course, yes, you have to look around you, okay? But it's not like the, the players are not helping each other either by talking and saying, look, you got a guy on your back or watch out man on or something like that. There's nothing, you know, it, it boggles the mind. You know, you know what? Uh, a lot of teams have almost taken note of what Liverpool did with that long ball over. Like it was not the long ball by Kundigan, yeah. but it's a similar type of ball over the top, and then it heated the cross for the guy who was rolling into the empty net. And sometimes I look at Leno, and I'm like, you know, I've also been a critic of Leno at times, but I mean, sometimes you feel sorry for the guy the way they leave him exposed. Yeah. I mean, they all the all the goals they score is a roll it, and they get a free shot at him. You know, and what also freaks me out sometimes when. You know, especially when, they, when you have to now, you know, sit through the pain of watching the replay of the goal, you get to watch almost like from a point of view of, of say, Lichstein or Mustafi or Kostiel. You're actually watching the ball and you're seeing, look, either drop back onto the guy or, or somehow, you know, block his path. I'm not saying a foul, but there are ways of, of, of blocking people, you know, fairly. Yeah. You, you can actually see the ball getting floated over and then they either miss jump <laughs> or, you know, they mistime their jump. Or they, as we were not talking, they, they just uh, ball watch. They just watch the ball floating over the heads. My one issue also in, in attack was Fernandinho was almost playing like a centre-back for City. And why didn't we get at him? It's like, no, no, we, but we allowed him to... The slap in the face there was, he, he didn't even have a real position because one minute he was playing in the in the defence, next minute he's playing as a holding mid. And we yeah. never either pick up what was going on or... I mean, I don't know, maybe Emery was trying to get the thing, the, the, the message over, but 
it was not coming through really to the players because they kept on letting that pocket because that wasn't like a pocket that they were exposing all the time because we were leaving it open. Because Aubameyang and, and um, Lacazette were not really doing anything to fill up that gap. And that is where City almost like always had that right of way to go down the middle there. And, and that's, that's my problem with Aubameyang at the moment. And I know I keep week in, week out, probably people probably sick of me of hearing me off on Aubameyang, Aubameyang. But he needs to start getting involved. I know maybe, you know, he likes to be on the peripherals of the game trying to run him behind, but sometimes the game doesn't allow that, and he has to kind of, you know, try to work his way or adapt to the game we're playing, because he is the kind of guy who can't take the game by the scruff of the neck. I mean, if he gets himself involved, he can run at the defender, he can play a pass, he can stretch a team, like like Andre used to do. But, I mean, it's like he's not getting involved at all. Besides, like, the minor tapping that he's getting, you know, darting late in the box, his overall game needs to improve, I feel. I mean, I think his best performances for us is when he's playing at home in that striking role because, yeah. look, we, you know, the advantage is always going to be on our, you know, on our uh, plate. So, you like, uh, Chelsea game, look, he was winning balls, tracking back, stuff like that. But it's not like away performances. That is when he gets totally... I mean, I'm not just... I was just going through the other games as well. He looks like he, 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 uh, the game just drifts away from him. Almost like the sort of criticism we give or, or Ozil gets in, in games. It's not like that is what happens to him in away games because you see uh, Lacazette working his socks off to you know somehow either get involved or to help the team. But it's only like then he will just find you know personally drift himself out on the wing and he'll just hang there and and not you know do anything. He'll like you know shrug the shoulders or ever getting caught offside because of course he's not watching his line. But other than that, he does nothing really in away games. I mean, of course, you, uh, I'm talking about that. The latter part now, but I mean, in the beginning of the season when we had that 22 game unbeaten run, he was yeah. grafting and, and getting stuck in. But it's, it seems now after that, or I don't know, maybe teams figured him out, or as you said, maybe they also figured us out as a team now. So they know, look, if you starve him off board, he's not, it's like a away game, he's not going to do much. So it's like, like I said, getting gets old off always, like working his socks off, he gets pulled off. And I sometimes feel sorry for the guy because. Aubameyang, I think from time to time, also needs to be taken off. But it's like a catch-22 because Aubameyang is the type of player as well who can also just spark a game into life out yeah. of nowhere. Yeah. But it, it hasn't been happening yet. And, and like it's frustrating because we all know what he can do if he can pitch up week in, week out. He can set many games alight and he can get Arsenal many wins, actually. But I don't know what, what's happening. And I mean, I'm second off. It felt more like, you know, we really didn't have any sort of cutting edge to the game. So it was like we went through the motions. And of course, look, that is almost like an, another invitation for City just to keep on, you know, knocking at that door. Because, I mean, they were, you know, peppering Leno throughout that second half. And I mean, on what was it, 61 minutes, they went 3 1 up. Lichsteiner again bamboozled by Sterling. Leno <laughs> get somehow a hand to it. But of course, it just allows the ball to bounce into Aguero's path and I mean he ends up just bundling the ball home. Yeah, uh, scoring a hat trick with almost all the goals in the six yard boxes. That's quite yeah, uh it's shocking. It's quite shocking here yeah, for a, a team to allow. I mean you know Sergio Aguero, probably one of the best or the you know top five strikes in the world football. And we allowed him three charges in the six yard box. And, and, and like, like you know, they, they're not, they almost like, they did all their grafting and, and carving us up on the flanks just through that, 
Lichtsteiner side, because I mean Lichtsteiner and Uobi were really, really poor. Yeah, I mean there was one stage where for me what stood out was like Raheem Sterling when he tackled Lichtsteiner actually for the ball in this like in the second half, like he just slid tackle Lichtsteiner. I'm like, my word, you're supposed to, you know, you were you were world like you were like you've uh, experienced right back, played as you know around the world and. I mean, Raheem Sterling slide technically because not even a way he's coming in for the ball. I mean, so, I don't know, for me, it was like, you know, for him to join Arsenal, it seemed almost like, you know, the more you now see him and, and, and the more he gets, you see that, that his, you know, weaknesses to his game being exposed. I mean, you didn't see it much in the beginning because, you know, it was almost like we were almost like a train moving forward. But now it's like now you yeah. get to see, you know, the flaws to his game. And I think he's almost like at the stage now where he should rather be, you know, playing in a like a so MLS or, you know, a league where you got more type of leeway, you know, to go through the motions and stuff. But it's more like now it's, uh, you, are, you have to make split uh, decisions, but uh, it must also be, uh, how can I say, almost like you, may, you must make key decisions in within seconds. You don't have time to sort of dawdle in that on the ball because... By that time, you already got one or two players on you. And I think that is where he... Maybe it's also that from that Serie A days where he thinks, okay, you know, I can get the ball to run onto me and I can, you know, shift it past. But I mean, people are... By the time that ball is coming towards him, where he's like standing and waiting, he's not going to attack the ball. Then he's already getting pressed by one or two players. And I mean, they, he already gets exposed because once he gets, you know, somehow bundled off because, you know, for somebody that, that that's so tall and that he gets bundled off the ball also very easily. Yes, no, it definitely does. One thing I must mention, you know, it was quite a good thing to hear. The comment also mentioned it, it is that Arsenal, to an extent in the second half, was handling City's pressing game relatively good because they are comfortable on the ball. So when City were pressing like that, Arsenal could move the ball around still and not really be under pressure. So that kind of nullified the pressing game to an extent. But the problem was that Arsenal had no cutting edge with what they were doing with the ball. It was like they were happy just rather just stay in their own half and play with the ball instead of, you know, being adventurous and trying to attack City. I mean, at my, like, where I just want to, like, differ with the opinion again. It, like, for me, it was almost like we were almost like at times chasing shadows also because even though we made that flurry of substitutions when Suarez came on and um, Ramsey came on for Iwobi and was it Colasinac respectively, um, you, you never saw really a sort of you know, playing with intent by us because I'm like City were I'm like uh, you know just toying with us because at times they were, they were knocking the ball around. I mean, of course, not the, the City crowd were not going to the Olay mode yet, but I mean they were knocking the ball and I mean we were at, at points either just chasing shadows or you know just allowing them to then run past us because we had almost like kind of in commas enough of you know chasing the ball the whole time because position game was always going to be in City's court so. If we had nothing really with a pressing game, because look, we were trying to press for most of the yeah. half, and I think that legs were probably now, you know, with a, with a team like City physically also seemingly superior to us. So, I mean, that there was almost like all the, the sting was taken out by us already. I, I think Ramsey should have started though. Like, maybe mm -hmm. it will be in hindsight, it's obviously easier yeah. to say because of it will be making a mistake. But Ramsey for me is a craft, and I don't see why he's not, you know, starting. In, in games, I think you would have added some, you know, tenacity to the team, tried to drive the team forward. So 
So I think we missed out on Ramsey. Obviously, poor Dennis Suarez as well, you know. Thrown into a deep end at 3-1. I mean, he probably didn't give much of a performance, but you can't blame him. He debuted the Etienne, three one down. Can't yeah. expect miracles from the guy. And I mean, it's not like for me, the last fifteen minutes, you know, watching the game, you know, as bitter as it was not to watch, but I mean, you could actually see the gulf between the two clubs. You know, as much as you know, we love Arsenal, but I mean, you know, you've, sometimes you also have to face the facts. And I mean, watching the way City play and and the way they play is stay, you know, take command of a game. Like, they've got somebody taking command. Like, you know, Otamendi, I find a very reckless defender. But, I mean, he's somebody that, you know, plays with his heart on his sleeve. And, I mean, he commands the defence if a company is not there. Or And, I mean, look, Lackport had to play as a alternate uh, left-back. And then you have, in midfield, you've got, you know, uh, Gundogan, you know, shoring up everything with somebody like Fernandinho beside him at times. So, I mean, of course, that's already a wall you seldomly going to, you know, breach. Then you've got ahead of them, David Silva. He's pulling all the strings in midfield. Also, not somebody's going to get, you know, the game get away from him. He's always involved. So, you know, it allows, I mean, as as, as creative as David Silva is, look, he can also hurt you. But, you know, he played almost like a, a kind of conservative game to allow Kevin De Bruyne again to yes. like punish us or have a go at us. Because, I, mean, I mean, I've seen David Silva play games where he's instrumental from midfield to up front yeah. and I mean, this game he played almost like a more conservative game but look at what other players that can hurt you because i mean sterling i mean how look of course as you said it's seeing things are or saying things in hindsight but i mean the minute sterling i mean can you imagine what would zane have done against something like Lichtenstein? <laughs> yeah. look there that like Lichtenstein and and Iwobi had a shocking game on that side then you had uh, Kolasinac, I mean, there were certain <laughs> moments when that commentator was saying, why is he, like, Kolasinac starts drifting towards the halfway line and, and in the middle of the park, like, you know, where the centre-back should be. And then he leaves that whole flank open, and I mean, since we playing, it was like with a, with a more central uh, centre-back, you know, the, the left and right, they stay more in the middle. So, I mean, it, it, it ends up leaving like a, almost like a tram line left and a tram line right, because Iwobi and Lichtenstein are not doing their job. And, I mean, you, um, Kolasinac on the other flank is pushing either so high up or he's pushing into midfield, like central midfield. And I'm thinking, are you not watching what's happening down the line? And did you not learn your lesson against Man United? Uh, it's, it's, it's sad. It's, it's really sad to, to, to see, like, the team that's, you know, title title challenges. Oh, yeah. And, and then us as well, who, you know, we want to be up there. There is a lot of reinvestment that needs to be done yeah. before Arsenal can get there. And, you know, thank goodness we're playing Huddersfield now after Man City. It's a team that we actually need to now, you know, place home the advantage and take, take, make sure we can, you know, get our goal difference slightly up because this top four race could end up going to goal difference. Because, mm. I mean, at the moment, look with it, you know, just when I thought... Our game against, uh, you know, at Cardiff and then, then with Chelsea losing that game against Bournemouth 4-0. And I still told you, look, you know, we're not banged up our, or got, you know, up there to, uh, to fourth without doing much. And then Chelsea follow that defeat up with a 5-0 win, which means they again go ahead with a, a, like a, cra a crazy goal difference. So as you said, it's going to be a straight shootout based on probably goals as well, besides another points, points factor. 
Uh, there's gonna be lots of like I think King makers as well for this top four. I think going to the Molyneux. I know I said Manchester United have to go to the Molyneux, and that's going to be a place if you can walk away with points there, it will definitely be a bonus, especially the three points. And uh, I think also um in Liverpool at, at Old Trafford's also gonna be a big game and City at Old Trafford. I think we're gonna have to hope that you know points yeah. stop there, and obviously now. Sunday with Man City playing Chelsea. We're going to have to, you know, all wear sky blue t-shirts to show support for them. So, um, we play Huddersfield, as you said. Um, I just wanted to read a few stats regarding the game. Uh, the Terriers, no wins in 11 games. But, you know, in a deep down, the pit of my stomach, I'm again thinking, you know, this this sort of stats is almost like made for a game where the team has to play yes. Arsenal. Because if you think of that Southampton game also, they sacked them oh, in yeah. poor form. We come up against them and all of a sudden Southampton look like a Barcelona or Real Madrid team where they were playing against us. So, I mean, that is my only kind of, you know, worry. But, I mean, I know, of course, the bookies are already giving us, you know, real good odds for that game since we're playing now the bottom club. But, you know, team for some reason, these bottom clubs always turn on the style when they play us. And, I mean, I don't know if we also... Go with our mindset way too casual into the sort of games. Um, another thing I just want to mention, Arsenal only team yet to keep a, a way clean sheet uh, for this uh, the season. And the, oh. last, uh, the last away points of Arsenal, 26th of December 2018 versus Brighton. That's quite scary. Eh? We're like, what? It's five or six games without a win on the road. Eh? The last winners get born within November. Yeah. So... Uh, it needs to pick up. Um, if Arsenal, like, I think I know the one that's my sound a bit far fetched and still far, but if we don't pick up three points today, I think that top four could be you know slipping out of our region because you yeah, can't be losing to Huddersfield or drawing to Huddersfield. It's, it's a must win game today. Look, just for us, the, the fact that I think where we also shot ourselves in the foot that time that we had that gap on Man United, we should have, you know, really hammered on the advantage. And it's like we were ending up dropping points beside before that managerial change came in. So of course yeah. they were already creeping up at the time Mourinho was sacked. I think they were like four or five points off the pace. And by the time uh Solskjaer is now there, they've won some like I don't know how many on the bounce. And I mean they already now passed us. So it's not like now we have to you now graft double as much now to somehow, you know, get somehow back into this top four is because you know at the moment I just see if we're not you know you know pull our finger out it's gonna be a thing where Chelsea and and uh, Man United are gonna be fighting for the top four slot and we just gonna you know dangle in that sixth spot you know away from the top uh, top four and um you know away from the the bottom group of teams because you can already see that gulf that's that's splitting up the league already and we and we almost like in that floating zone where we can't be caught really by the teams behind us, and we are trying almost like playing catch up more with the teams above us. So I don't know. Something needs to be uh, maybe mindset of the players also need to really really change going into this last few mu- like four, four months with us of the season. And I mean, I was hoping. Yeah. No, no, carry on. No, you can carry on. Now I just wanted to mention now, like with today's game now, Mkhitaryan um, is in contention to play. Maitland Niles is now back after that. Because he was like, you know, temporarily taken out of action for like five or six days, because he had some slight strain. Not, I mean, they say it's not really bad, but they rather, you know, let him rest out 
the game that uh, one of the other games before. And then, of course, uh, Dennis Suarez is also set for a possible start for today's game. Yeah, it has to be a good, uh, good place to go and start your you know, first Premier League game. So hopefully, he can take it into his stride and you know, give a performance that Arsenal fans are dying out for from a player at the moment because there hasn't been like you know, besides like. Uh, defensive players like the Torreiros, Quintos, there hasn't been like a, a a real spark in our attack yet. So maybe this guy can spark the attack yeah. and give us some sort of excitement again. Yeah. So, okay, we put a wrap on that. Um, now we're going to switch to just general news, talking points. Uh, do you have anything to discuss? Just just kind of like the, the last part of the top four challenge um, I want to bring up. I know we mentioned it, but now, but like the, the scary part is that how far Spurs has pulled away from us. I was hoping that you know with Harry Kane out and um, Daly Ali out, that Arsenal, you know, maybe we could have pulled them back in it. But it seems like they just kept on steamrolling from forward. And I want to know what's your opinion. Do you think we can actually you know maybe pull Spurs in it and also making top four in general? Do you think you know we we where do you think we think we favourites, underdogs, or? Actually, you know, in the middle between Chelsea and United. Um, with regard to Spurs, no, I don't think so. Because I just think with their, their mindset, I mean, of course, we all, you know, with a, based on Benton now, you know, just tease them about it, you know, being able to spend or whatever. But, I mean, they've got the most, almost like a complete squad, I mean, as it stands. And, I mean, they, they, they've shown now also when one guy is out based on like long-term injury. There's always people going to come in and step, and you know, literally step up and show, you know, I also deserve a slot in this team. And I think with us at the moment, when we bring out in somebody almost like from the cold, it's, it's like, you don't see that. So like, look at El Nini that I told you the other day. When he yeah. came in the team, you don't see somebody that's like, not only playing for his career, but playing just to get into the squad. And also, same can be said of, of Ozil at the moment. He, he plays... But it's almost like you don't say, okay, Ozil has to play every week because there's going to be games where you're on the back foot and people like that or, or people like El Nini and them, they're not really, you know, the ones that you can say, okay, we can rely on him taking us forward. Whereas Spurs have, you know, a more, comp like I said, complete squad. And I think they will probably, you know, guarantee that third spot for them. So, of course, the spot up for grabs will be fourth. And I mean, at the moment, Chelsea... Chelsea is almost like the like we would say the like the Pakistan or West Indian cricket team. We, oh you know, yeah, good comparison. They can they can play you off the park one day, and then one day they'll wake up and ah, I don't feel like playing, and then you'll see them getting tonked a few goals or whatever. So you know, very 50-50 team. Whereas Man United at the moment, I think until they get a knock, we can really now see what sort of what you know what they're made of. They look very dangerous to get that false fourth spot because it seems Solskjaer is bringing out the best in them. They they look, you know, a, a more slick outfit. I mean, of course, they still got a few headaches like with, you know, how to because uh, Sanchez is still not really clicking in that team, but I mean, they're getting the best out of Rashford. Lukaku might not score, but he's offering more physically to, you know, drive him forward. And of course, Pogba is now starting to show that Juventus form that got him that, that massive deal to United. Yeah. And I mean, at the back, they might not be, you know, the best, but I mean, they've got a, a goalkeeper that helps them out a lot. And I mean, they've got also defense that, you know, I mean, for me, 
something we 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 as much as one can sometimes criticize them for also being at times sloppy at the back. But I mean, when when you see certain characteristics of players, uh, there's now just like somewhat like, kind of off the off topic somewhat. Yeah. I mean, when I see that time when when I told you that match where that Lindelof, where they were playing, I don't know which team. I don't know if it was one of the games against Palace. I think where you know he he pulled a groin muscle, and I mean some yes, yes, yes. would have now just sat. Like if you think of Mustafi the other day, he got like a <laughs> jaw back or neck, and then he had to come off. But I mean, Lindelof was, you know, almost like keeping his fingers, at, you know, at, at keeping the almost like the groin somehow in place, and at you know trying to, you know, run and everything. I mean, I think after the game, that Old Trafford crowd as they started walking towards the the tunnel, they gave him all a standing ovation because he, you know, he almost like he put everything out on the field, whether it was not gonna leave him now out for two weeks or whatever with that injury, but I mean, he was gonna put it all on the line for that game. And I mean, that sort of characters we need. It's like, with us, it's not like you see people laying on the ground and it's like, you know, <laughs> I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can. <laughs> that sort of attitude, we, because that's why we need that more blood, guts and glory type of players. You know, it's willing to put no. the ball on the field and leave it on the field. Eh? That, that, that's, that's true. And that brings me to my next point on the bring-up, which kind of worries me, getting those blood, guts and glory type players with a budget that's going around of apparently $45 million. Like, you know, it's a, it's a bit scary. I, I know there's other rumors of 100 million, but like, uh, as an Arsenal fan, why, where does one think is 45 million or why, what, what, what is it you think? No, I think it's more in that 100 plus bracket because <clears throat> as much as, as John Cross of the Sun, um, Sonata of the Sun of the Daily Mirror, he tries to, you know, come with this clickbaity um, headlines. And I mean, sometimes you get some of these Arsenal fans sites on youtube also trying to stir up stuff for extra clicks and stuff like that so they will say oh yeah this is probably the the budget that's so small because look they know they're going to get the reaction when people are going to click on on sites or click on on youtube videos so that's all again revenue in hindsight for them but i mean my take of it all is i think of course we're going to have a bigger budget which is like more like david ornstein said something like that hundred uh, million, but I think that is probably hundred million as a budget itself, as, you know, as a number. Yeah. And then I think, of course, now you're gonna you throw in probably the probably the Adidas money that's gonna come in, yeah, new sorting. And then of course you're gonna start taking also into consideration. I think that's what what people like John Cross and then forget. It's like uh, people like check you taking also that that. Uh, Huge salaries of these type of players, and and I mean even some like say Al Nini, uh, you take that salaries off, and with the talk of of Mustafi being sold, um, Al Nini probably being sold, uh, probably uh, we're looking for suitors for Ozil as well, and then of course you know you you don't know how many of the defense are also going to be shifted out eventually, and I mean with Callum Chambers coming in, I, th- I think because look Emery, I think he's also kind of fan of him and. If he can, you know, play that way that he was playing throughout the preseason, and that because uh, I was actually quite sad when he left for that Fulham loan. But other than that, holding then would come back. You got say Mavropanos, and and then say you take Chambers. So you got like three, yeah. you know, youngish, uh, you know, like with with real potential to you know build from there. And then you of course now you maybe bring in as as the talk was floating around of us looking for three defenders for the summer. And I mean, if you take now three, say, experienced 
young but experienced guys, like, you know, in that 25 to 27 age bracket, you take players like that and you, you know, integrate them with that three that we have. And I mean, plus say Kossiel, if he still stays on, I'm not 100% sure how that's going to work out. But I mean, if you take that bunch and you can work with and almost like, almost like build a more Emery-like defense, then I mean, who knows? Because I mean, uh, you, uh, also like someone like Lichstein, I, I, I honestly don't think we're going to take up that option for the second year because I know it's almost like a, a one-year deal, but it can roll into a second because that is a, I think one oh, okay. part of the stipulation. I think that will probably say, you know, no, it's all right. You can go on to another league or whatever. And then I think left back will also probably have to bring in somebody because, I mean, for me, I would actually rather use somebody like Colosinus that can play almost like in a midfield to attacking a role, but I wouldn't use him as a left back because I just no. don't see that sort of, you know, awareness that's needed for that sort of role, you know, because I don't see, like, I mean, Montreal class left back. And I think, you know, we also need a classy left back as well, uh, like a younger version of a Montreal. Because I think that couldn't bode well if you have, you know, a more, more like a balanced left-sided uh, defense. And then, of course, you have maybe a younger right back come in to also double up with Bellerin, as we were now discussing the last few podcasts. And then, of course, I don't know if, if there's still a place for Xhaka really in the team. Because, I mean, when I see Torreira, Guendouzi, their sort of development, and, I mean, sometimes when you think of the sort of form that you or performances you get from Xhaka we you know you play plays a blinder one game and then he ends up gifting the opposition you know silly passes whatever that sometimes leads to goals or puts us under unnecessary pressure so I don't know maybe you get the you know a more confident ball player so I mean I know Emery is a big fan of Rabio and yeah I mean you because you, I think look they worked well together at PSGs and, and I mean I think that is actually the type of target man that, that Emery would actually want to be in our midfield. I mean, that's just my yeah. opinion, of course. Yeah, a guy like Rabiot actually would be a good player because he can be an alternative for both Torreira and Guendos in the midfield. You know, maybe um, Torreira and um, Rabiot could be, you know, potential starters with Guendos deputizing for the two of them because I just fear that if Torreira picks up an injury, mm. there's no real, you know, Guendos could do the job there, but there's no real then fighter or, you know, that kind of fighter in the midfield. So that's a, a easy bit of a, a worry for me. If and, you know, I, I'll, like, you know, just thinking now on like, like a bigger scale based on the squad now, I also think with the likes of Emil Smith-Rowe, like say for next season and, and Reese Nelson, you know, names like that, I think that uh, it will also probably be big seasons for them also, you know, where they can get probably a, a full preseason under the belt. And, you know, depending on what Arsenal... Because, I mean, if, if say, someone like Reese Nelson can, you know, click immediately and, and show that sort of, uh, almost like a more mature side to his game, you know, we can almost like uh, single-handedly dominate the game. Then I think it's almost like, instead of needing, say, two wingers, we can maybe bring in one winger. Because, you know, then you're going to have that big, uh, quite a few alternates in there. Because you also don't know if... Mikitarian's long-term plans or or in in, in sorry in um, Emery's plans, if if you know Mikitarian is like that, or would we willing to you know will we listen to offers for for Mikitarian and maybe bring in like say a second winger then then we probably will need in you know extra wingers in the squad. It's disappointing to see like you know Mkhitaryan and even sometimes you know Bamang as good as he is at the club, yeah. but like 
if they could bring in those Dortmund performances, I mean, they 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 did set the Bundesliga like the two of them had a good combination, especially I think when Götze left and Lewandowski left as well. The two of them, you know, carried Dortmund for a bit. So if they could actually lift that give that performances, um, we would I think we would be doing much better than we currently are. And then also I want to actually also you know um, with regards to Una Emre, like I've always been like, is he, am I am I getting to him or? or Oh, am I taking a liking to him or not? But like in hindsight, if you look at things at the moment, he's actually doing very well in terms of the squad that he's inherited. It was a very unbalanced squad, a bunch of also overpaid players for, for not stepping up. So uh, he has to still kind of you know find his own way. And Guardiola didn't he also end fourth in his first season or something like that? You know, so also trophy in it, yeah. So we might just be patient. And I know I even get, I know I'm saying be patient, but sometimes I'm a bit impatient. But if you look at the bigger picture, it's, it's not really his squad yet. It took Guardiola, you know, a season to clear out of what he wants. He had to even bring in Claudio Bravo to now be like a reserve keeper, almost number one, till they got Edison. So it's not, you know, all doom and gloom at the moment. I think if we can get the top four spot, that 100 million plus signings could be, you know, pushed to 150 million. So. Yeah. It's it's all you know. You just stay positive in a time of you know a lot of negativity around the club. I mean, of course, like you know, if it comes to you know defeats or heavy defeats and stuff, I mean, it does hit hard, and I mean, it does hurt. I mean, look, we love the club, but I mean, yeah, uh, as many times I've seen up, you know, people now go off the you know off the rail somewhat with you know when they they comment straight after a game. Now, of course, the emotions are still. You know, boiling if, if things have not gone our way. Do they make like, you know, these sort of stupid remarks? Sorry to say, but it's like sometimes it's stupid because I mean, two of the most stupid ones I've seen was uh, after that, uh, could could be after the City game even or the United game or at, at the Emirates in the Cup, where they were saying like, you know, maybe Emirates is not cut out for this type of job. And I'm thinking, we just had a manager in place for what was it, like 22 years. And you want to now, after like half a year, just say, okay, now, nah, oh, yeah, half a year. No, you're not the right manager of Arsenal. How can you make that sort of judgment now already? And I mean, the, probably the dumbest one I've seen was somebody actually saying, Dennis Suarez should not, uh, you know, should rather go back. And I mean, this is after, what was it, 25, <laughs> 20 minutes? Jesus, talk about knee-jerk reaction. Uh, you know, I'm... I'm... I know I'm bad sometimes after a game, you know, I'll message you or something like that. And then after it's, you know, we'll have a chat after things blow over. And then you, you, you look at things. That's what I told you. And I mean, I can pass this on this message on to our listeners as well. If you witness, I mean, if you see a, like, you know, a real bad Arsenal result and whatever, you know, uh, you know, go for a walk, switch your mind off or switch sporting codes or something like that. Like, you know, watch something different of like sporting kind on TV or, like I said, spend time either with your family or whatever. But just get yourself somewhat switched off from the game. Don't listen like to these, uh, you know, there's the fan TV sites and, 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 you know, reading whatever things you read now on Twitter and stuff. Just try to switch yourself off for like maybe an hour or two. Because I, I, I guarantee you, you will feel way, way better. You actually feel more relaxed, more like open-minded and you can think, oh yeah, you know, bad day at the office. We should work harder, blah, blah, blah. And you actually see you feel better because I used to do that 
I mean, I, I can put up my hand up uh, like a few years back. I used to be somebody after a game, you busy, oh, you texting and uh, whatever, you, your annoyance or whatever. Now it's like when I watch an Arsenal match, my phone or whatever gets put aside. I stay totally away from social media. I maybe like at, at times me and you might send a message at half time to discuss tactics and whatever yeah. we see. But other than that, we're not going to have rants and, you know, yeah. ifs and blinders type of things and whatever. So, I mean, you actually feel, I, I, I can guarantee you, like, you know, all our listeners or whatever, just I tell you now, if it's like a, uh, especially like say a bad result, just like to switch yourself off. You'll see you'll feel way, way better. Guaranteed. No, that, that's true. I used to, you know, used to spoil my whole weekend with bad results and I used to be miserable and stuff like that. But like you said, just switch yourself off for it for a few hours and yeah. then you know you, you feel better you know like oh you, you know what you think rationally as well after that because yeah I mean, when you when after loss i mean it's like look most of us are like hardcore gooners all of us now listeners and whatever and us but i tell you after that i mean it, it, like, it hurts hard like you know like it was like it, it's like a uh, you know stab or kick to the gut but after that i tell you after that 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 uh period where you now like vented your anger somewhat or ease through it somehow that's when you actually see you feel more clear-headed and whatever with then you can actually start analyzing games in a way clearer way because i can tell you now i, I guarantee you say uh aiden myself had to do a podcast after the five one level <laughs> i don't think it would have been a nice one <laughs> well off, off, off topic now with regards to you know the finding that I know we never mentioned in our podcast like that the, I think they found the body afterwards of you know Emiliano Sala. It was very you know a sad thing, but I know I'm glad there's actually now closure and the family can be at peace now with, with everything that's happened. And you know it was it was nice to see the whole footballing community come back as well. So you know our thoughts and you know is it all with Salah's family? Yeah. And I mean, also, you know, uh, like I see many people, like I know that Salah thing, uh, uh, the Salah uh, issue was also a very sad loss. But I mean, I also, my thoughts also go out to the pilot because I think they're trying to, that pilot's family is also trying to now, you know, raise funds so that they can have now another search party. So, I mean, I actually hope not only football fans, but even say players can also maybe help and chip in with, because I think they started some GoFundMe page as well. Where they can, you know, where, where people can, uh, uh, you know, contribute money. So, because these search parties, that especially the underwater search parties, they are not, you know, cheap. So, you know, fingers crossed that that can also happen. So that family can also be, you know, put at peace and and, and also get closure on their lives. That's also why you know we 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 love the beautiful game as well, not because of just sport, but you know, trying to get together as one big footballing community. You know, and trying to help like in different um, facets in life and this is definitely one way you know if they can recover i didn't know about that they were also looking for the pilot's body but you know if they can find that as well to put you know everything at ease then mm, true uh we'll put, put the end to the podcast now um i hope you guys have a great weekend um let's keep the fingers crossed toast even uh, for a solid uh win today against Huddersfield. we need the three points let's do this gunners let's go enjoy the weekend bye Bye, guys.